All right, are you guys ready for hearing our story? All right, are you guys ready to hear our story? All right, it comes from Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his daughter, his only daughter of 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter replied, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. My name is Sally Royce, and um, I am telling the story today for Cindy because she's out of town. And I'm excited to be with you, and I'm excited to share with you. Can you guys hear me in this? Okay. This is a new thing for me. I told Steve I've never done this in English. We went to Venezuela, and I got to do it in Spanish. But anyway, um, I think I might just lean against this. So I want to share a story about the heart of Jesus and a story and in a way that how it impacts me. And so I hope that that is, is helpful to you guys too. As Steve said, this story comes from the Word of God, from the Gospel, which is the good news of Luke. And he read the story to you, but now I want to hopefully apply it to you guys. So let me ask you a question. So imagine if you guys were playing inside with your toys. Okay, kind of imagine that. Or maybe you're playing outside in your backyard, or maybe you're playing at the park. You are in the zone, and you are really having a great time. And into that fun comes the voice of your mom or the voice of your dad asking you to do something. 
they're interrupting your fun, and they're asking you to do something to help them. Maybe it's to go and, and do something for your younger sibling. It's something that helps them and interrupts your fun. And how do you guys react to that? Well, how do you feel when that happens? You can raise your hand. What? Ugh, I know, I know. How about anybody else? You want to say that? Maybe I should let you do it. Uh, right, I know. And that's, that's kind of how I react. But let's find out how Jesus reacted. Maybe you remember some of what uh, Steve said. So Jesus was walking, and up to him came Jairus, and he was a ruler in the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet. No doubt he had heard Jesus' teaching. He'd seen Jesus healing people. And he also, no doubt, saw how much compassion and kindness and patience that Jesus always had with children. And so he fell at his feet and he begged him to come to his house because his 12-year-old daughter was dying. She was gravely ill. And he had faith that Jesus could do something about that. And Jesus said yes. He agreed to go with him. And when I say they went to Jairus's house, I don't just mean Jesus and Jairus. Okay, so imagine this. It's Jesus, it's Jairus, it's Jesus' closest followers, those 12 guys that he seemed to always have with him, Peter and James and John and the rest of them. They're called disciples in the New Testament. And then this huge crowd of people. So imagine how slowly they were moving to Jairus' house. Do you think it was more slowly than he expected things to be happening? He was hoping that Jesus would get there. He was probably concerned about his daughter, and they're moving really slowly to his house because the crowd is so big. In fact, um, as Steve read, it says that it was crushing Jesus. The crowd was so big. But in that crowd was a woman, and she had been, for 12 years, she had been sick. For 12 years, she had gone to doctors. Now, Luke doesn't mention that, but it's mentioned in Mark. Luke, interestingly enough, is a physician, and he doesn't mention that she lost all her money going to physicians. But anyway, <laughs> she did, and so she was very poor. And she had the faith that Jesus could do something about it. She had so much faith that she thought if she could just touch his clothes, that she could be healed. And so she did. And she was. And then she hoped to slip back into the crowd unnoticed and hidden from everyone. But Jesus noticed. And Jesus stopped. So imagine that huge crowd all of a sudden. The whole thing stops. And once again, Jairus is thinking, okay, wait a minute. What's happening here? Because I'd like you to get to my house as quickly as possible. But Jesus stopped. He stopped for one woman. And she came up, he stopped and listened to her story. And then he called her daughter. And that is the only time in the New Testament where he directly refers to anyone as daughter. But he tenderly referred to her, listened to her. He wanted to make sure that she knew the power to heal wasn't in his clothes. He had the power to heal. He chose to heal her. She had the faith, and he chose to heal her. So then they went on. Jesus had stopped what he was doing, and they went on. But, you know, we are the hands and feet of Jesus in our families, 
in our communities, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, all of that. And we want to have the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus was one person in the midst of the crowd. One person who was treated nicely, who he stopped for. The interruption wasn't an irritation. And I want to be like that. In, I want to react like that to interruptions, not the, which is what I kind of think when I get interrupted most of the time. Jesus went on to his house, as I said, and at Jairus' house, then he was, they were told that the little girl had died. But Jesus said, no, she's just asleep. You see, Jesus has the power to heal and the power to raise from the dead, and that's what he did. And praise God that we serve a God who restored this little girl to her family. They had faith. They were, uh, they were, their daughter was restored to them. But praise God also that one individual in the crowd was important, that one interruption for Jesus was important. And when I think about God, and, you know, it's not exactly the same thing, but God is in charge of everything, and my interruptions, my prayers, my requests lifted up to him are okay with him. Those interruptions are okay because that is the heart of Jesus. Is there one of you who would like to pray? Please? <laughs> How about just to say thank you, God? Okay. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for making us and having a good day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for being such good listeners. Thank you, Sally. Uh, once again, we've heard a great message that touches the kid and all of us, haven't we? I've really enjoyed these all summer. It's been fantastic. Um, so yeah, the other day, it was kind of bad. Um, so I, uh, I walked into the kitchen and Teresa was there and she had a towel. Didn't have time to get a mop, the floor was wet and it was just like everywhere and I was like, oh no. So I said, you know, with hope that she wouldn't say yes. Honey, do you need help with this? <clears throat> I was pretty tired, you know, guys are kind of weak. Anyway, so um, I said, do you need help? She said, no, no, I got it. I said, are you sure? Yeah, 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 go, go, on, up, go on up to bed. I was like, yes, So, because I was exhausted. So I went upstairs, and when I got upstairs, and, and I got to our bedroom, the floor was soaking wet. I was like, uh-oh, these two might be related. <laughs> the hallway was wet, hadn't noticed. The other two bedrooms were wet. I was like, are you kidding me? And then the water was literally soaking through the whole floor, dripping down into the next level. And I was like, this is a nightmare. And I curled up in a fetal position. <laughs> the, the bathroom sink had been left on, and it was clogged, and the water was just going everywhere. And I was like, oh, we don't have the money for this. What am I going to do? What will we possibly do? I mean, we were in I was in despair. And then, like, this foggy thing happened, and I heard my wife's voice saying, honey, 
honey, it's okay. And I woke up. (laughs) Man, isn't it the greatest feeling when you have that nightmare scenario that's happening and you just can't, there's no possible solution and you just don't have any hope and suddenly you wake up and you realize, wow, that was just a bad dream. Well, that's really what happens in today's story. We have two unrelated ladies with unrelated stories that connect. And Sally just did a great job of letting us see the compassion and love that Jesus had to reach out and meet both of their needs. But 12 years earlier, a baby girl had been born. And that same year, a woman began to suffer. One begins the journey of life and hope and promise, and the other begins a painful, debilitating slide toward death. But the hopeful first situation changes when this young girl gets some sort of ailment that She's just now careening toward death. And so her father does what every parent would do. He seeks the very best help that he can find. And that help is Jesus. So he finds Jesus, and and Jesus and the disciples then move, as Sally graphically and wonderfully pointed out, they move slowly, following Jairus toward the house. And as they're walking, suddenly, Jesus stops. Now hit the pause button on the scene for just a second. I know we know the rest of the story, but stop where that is. And think about what must have been going on in the minds of some of these people in this scene. How do you think Jairus feels right now? Jesus, time is running out. Don't you know? Don't you care Why don't you do something? Now, if that is what Jairus is thinking, he's not the only person to have those thoughts. Some of you are right there. Jesus, time is running out. Don't you know? Don't you care? Why don't you do something? Rest assured, Jesus does care. Jesus knows. And Jesus is doing something. We have to keep our eyes open and have hope and faith. Now, pan from Jairus to the disciples. What might they be thinking? Well, we don't have to wonder what is on the mind of Peter, because what is on the mind of Peter 
often is on the lips of Peter, and what goes through his mind often goes through his lips. And so Peter says, uh, you know, after Jesus says, somebody touched me, Peter says, duh. (laughs) Jesus, all kinds of people are touching you. And Jesus says, no power left from me. Someone touched me. See, what, what Jairus and the disciples didn't see was that this woman had been changed. Her situation had been transformed. She had been healed. Here's an important principle for us. It's one thing to be in proximity with Jesus, but it's another thing to reach out and touch him in faith. See, a lot of people are close to Jesus in certain ways, might even bump into him, might hear him do teaching, might see some of the things that he does. But we have to reach out with hope and with faith and touch him. So the power of Jesus heals this unnamed woman. Now, he knew who had been healed. But the disciples, uh, Jairus, the the people around didn't know. See, this woman had this blood issue going on. And that made her in that culture unclean. And so she was... She was kind of a a pariah, an outcast. And Jesus wanted to publicly let people know that her situation had changed. And that her shame, her embarrassment, her rejection, her isolation from the culture, from the people who were supposed to be around her, had changed. And we need to do the same. We need to let people know when Jesus has touched them that they're different. They're clean. They're whole. And we need to be very careful about ostracizing them and and pointing out their past. Or even their present. Because Jesus has healing and hope. For them, just as he does for us. Now go back to Jairus. While I think he was probably at least somewhat happy for this woman, he knows that every minute of delay means his daughter is one minute closer to death. And then his nightmare gets even worse. People arrive from his home and they say, Jairus, it's It's too late, I'm sorry. And he experiences the worst nightmare any parent can have, and some of you, unfortunately, have felt it.
With love and strength, Jesus looks at him and he says, Jairus, there's still hope. You need to believe. Have faith that something better is still coming. Finally, they arrive at the house. Before they go in, um, Jesus makes another statement that seems kind of funny. He says, well, you know, she's not dead. She's only asleep. And the people begin to laugh. The mourners turn their tears into jeers. Who is this guy? What is he talking about? She's dead. We know she's dead. That's why we're here mourning. What kind of a prophet would say something like that that makes absolutely no sense? We need to have faith that when Jesus says something, no matter what anyone else says, no matter how contrary it seems to the situation around us, if Jesus makes a declaration, it's true. We need to have faith. We need to have hope. We need to trust that what Jesus said is the reality, even if people all around us are laughing. With God, all things are possible, so there's always hope. Martin Luther King once said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. I like that. Well, finally, the girl's parents and Jesus and his inner circle go into the house. And just a side note, this is the first time that we see Jesus do something with his inner circle, his triad, his, his clique, if you will, with Peter, James, and John. It's the first time in Luke that we see him select them out, but it won't be the last. So pay attention for some of those things as we continue through Luke. Inside the house, Jesus doesn't get into some long, wordy prayer. He doesn't have some incantation or, or conjure up something. He simply touches her. And immediately, she moves from death to life. See, when God chooses to intervene, resurrecting a person is no more difficult than waking a person from sleep. Now, some of us know people that when you try to wake them up, it's kind of like raising the dead. But that's the power that Jesus has. And that's our our main take home for today, is to remember that there is always hope when God is involved. That hope comes from confidence in Jesus, that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. That hope comes from a faith in Jesus. 
in both of these miracles, faith was involved. Faith led to this healing in both cases. Both the woman and Jairus had to place their faith in Jesus for something to happen, for something to be different. So as we wrap up, we want to look at just a few verses that are related to this theme today. James 5.15 is a wonderful verse about prayer and healing. It says, the prayer in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. So we need to pray in faith, trusting that God will act. But there's that question. Why is it that sometimes when we pray, and we really do pray in faith, the person doesn't get better? The healing that we're expecting, that we're praying for, doesn't come. Is it because we don't have enough faith? Well, possibly. But that's not the only possibility. After all, sometimes in the, in the New Testament, we see that people are healed like, like these two ladies in our story today. But other times, that doesn't happen. Do you think Paul had a fair amount of faith? <laughs> I think he did. Paul said that he was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble, and he, he prayed three times for this ailment, whatever it was, that God would take it away. He was praying in faith, guarantee. Didn't happen. God said, no. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time God said, my grace is all you need. God's grace is all we need. By God's grace, we have hope even when things seem hopeless. By God's grace, we place our faith in Jesus. By God's grace, his strength works in our weakness, as Paul goes on to say right after this verse. That's part of this verse, actually. See, here's the reality. God may choose to provide physical healing. But even if he does, we have to remember that's temporary because this life is temporary. The little girl who was raised from the dead eventually died again. The woman who had been healed eventually died. And that's the destination for all of us. But after that death, like all of us, those two ladies, all of us are going to live forever, either with God and everything that is good or away from God and everything that is good. And this is the best news of all. This is the story that we need to hear today. See, God chose to provide spiritual healing that all of us need by allowing his son to die in our place. On the cross, Jesus offers that hope and that healing to everyone. Everyone. Romans 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise for which there is no exception in God's amazing love economy. His grace extends to every person who calls on his name. There is hope. There is power. There is salvation in the name of the Lord. Acts 2, 38 and 39 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was a great promise to the people who were there, but listen to what Peter says as he continues. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. Theologically speaking, we believe this truth that if you are hearing the message of Jesus today, that God is calling you. Every time a person comes to Jesus in faith and says, I need you to heal me spiritually, he will do that. Every single time. This is God's message to each of us today. You have hope. We all need to hear these words from Jesus. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Those words of hope were given to this woman in our story. Those exact words were also given to a woman in the previous chapter who fell at the feet of Jesus, poured oil on his feet, and washed them with her hair. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. The original words are kind of hard to translate into English. There is something much more than just a, a physical healing that's happening. There is a spiritual dimension to what is going on. And the peace that both of these women felt was much more than some kind of spirit or physical thing. There was a, an emotional, a spiritual healing that Jesus provided. He gave incredible hope to them. And that hope is available to each of us today. And maybe you've never placed your faith in him. Maybe you've never said, Lord, I am absolutely desperate. My spiritual life is a nightmare. And I've been trying to do things on my own to, to make it better, and I can't. And I need you to wake me to the reality that you can change everything. That there is hope, that there is peace for me. You need to hear the words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that can happen today. Or maybe you've trusted Jesus with almost all of your life. But there's that one area that just keeps hemorrhaging. And it's been happening for a long time. 
So reach out to Jesus in faith and touch him and be healed. Like waking up from a nightmare, it's a great feeling when your situation moves from despair to hope. We're going to sing a brief song. And there are two invitations that Jesus offers to you as we sing these words. First, if you want to give your life to Jesus or to pray, um, you can come forward as we're singing. And we'll sit down and, and talk and pray together. And if you decide that you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, we can walk through those steps. You can confess your sin. You can say, Lord, I need to surrender my life to you. You can be baptized. You can walk out completely healed. So that's one invitation. The other invitation is to remember what Jesus has done for us. We're going to remain seated as we sing. And as we are singing, the communion emblems are going to be passed to us. And we would like everyone to just take the cracker and the cup and just hold them, please. And after we're done singing this song, we're going to take communion together in unison, one body remembering what Jesus has done for us. So that's the second invitation. Let these words be our prayer. Lord, I I do surrender everything to you, and I have hope in you, and I have faith in you. Let's sing together. for us on the cross. And Jesus died in our place. He ignored the crowd that laughed and mocked him. And he took his, our sin on him and died in our place. See, blood and death are part of the story, but they're not the final chapter. Resurrection and hope and forgiveness and life are the message of the cross. And as you leave today, uh, there will be ushers standing out in the lobby, um, and we have wooden crosses for each person. They're just small crosses that you can take, place in your pocket or place somewhere just to remind you that through Jesus there is hope. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Continuing in 1 Corinthians. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink the cup, remembering the hope we have in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, we give you thanks for the love you demonstrated by allowing your only son to die for us. We confess our sin to you and thank you that because of his sacrifice, we have eternal hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?